3: So no fancy music, Toby. Sorry about that. This is how we start. Welcome to the podcast.
4: Thanks for having me. This is, is it. Did a little different than normal?
3: Yeah. So I usually put in our fancy little welcome with the Learfield voice guy sure. to the Sooner
4: Sports Podcast. Why aren't we doing it this week?
3: Well, I'm glad you asked. In my excitement to get over to the stadium on Saturday, I left my laptop charger. A little plug. It's kind of important. And I spent... I don't know if you could hear me rustling around over there. I spent the better part of the entire Lincoln rally press conference going through this box of every single kind of plug adapter you've ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's been made, it's there. Except one that fits my laptop. So this is us. Do you know how much it costs to buy a charger for
4: your laptop if you go through the actual provider? I don't know. It's very expensive. <laughs> so <laughs> the normal open lives on your laptop. It Well, let's... Go back in front. Okay, everything lives on my oh, boy. laptop, <laughs> so I'm gonna have gotta to... get this solved.
3: Well, it, and it's it's real simple. It's a charger that I left. I mean, my my laptop's seen better days. Charge. I mean, can you plug it into the wall? I wish it would be that easy. Yes, but it, there's a special little cord that goes, and because I'm not cool enough to to be in the Apple world yet. I still right. use an HP. So, uh <laughs> Okay.
4: So we're running dry today. That, what you're telling
3: there me. There you go. We are running dry. What a day to do it though. We don't need anything to build up excitement for this huh. bad boy. Sooner Sports Podcast brought to you by feel the like River this one one Resort. this doesn't count. I mean, this, this is all a steak. real one. <laughs> it started we're here. Okay. Boy, what a weekend. You- by the way, Chad was getting all testy in there. What was going on? He was uh seemed like he was questioning every single point you made after the uh press
4: conference. Um is Ali, there is there it's bad been like blood? Like 5 minutes. I don't remember what we were even <laughs> talking about. I know we were making fun of Teddy at one point. You were bringing up Oh, I know. I was looking ahead to possible final right. four matchups and he was telling me I needed to focus on Kansas.
3: <laughs> you dropped I'll talk about whatever I want to talk about. <laughs>
4: Well, I said, I said, the team needs to focus on Kansas. I can talk about whatever I want to See, talk. See, I didn't about. hear
3: that first part, so it makes yeah. it even better. What an exciting time, man! Uh, how was so? You had obviously Friday night prep, Saturday football, Sunday basketball, right? Season so, opener. I mean, when did the adrenaline finally crash for you? I think was- it's hitting me right about now. I'm pretty tired. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you're done here taping this. You've got to go do a radio show for two hours. And listen to Ted, who will find some problem with what happened on Saturday night. You know he will. Yeah. Let's start there. What a special environment, man. Baker challenged the crowd,
4: and they responded. Yeah, that was fun. It really, you know, when I showed up on campus Saturday, it was kind of the first time where you could tell something was different. I always go to the press box first, and then I walk over to Campus Corner for our Mm -hmm. radio show, and there were way more people than there normally are. There were way more people looking for tickets than there normally are. And I thought, oh, hey, people showed up early tonight. Then we went from there to FanFest. FanFest was crazy. was the most people I've ever seen at FanFest. And uh, nuts. And everybody was watching Auburn get beat on the big screen TV they have over there. So that was fun. And then when you finally got to the stadium, even in warm-ups, like when the defense runs out louder than normal, and then the team comes together before they go back in for the first time, you you could just tell... There was an extra buzz in all of Norman on Saturday, and certainly once that game kicked off, you know, they play the intro video and Baker calls out the fans and everybody's rip-roaring to go. And then the defense got a stop to start things. They got a three and out to start things, which sent everyone into a tizzy, especially Mike Stoops. So uh, <laughs> it played great. I played great. crowd was great. It's the best half. It's the best game they played, but certainly that first half. It's the best half of football they've played all year long. Uh, defensively, they were very good. That's encouraging. But for Oklahoma to be able to put 38 points on the board in the first half against a TCU defense that is legit considered by some the best in the country, leading the nation in rush defense, they go for 200 yards on the ground. They go for 500 plus yards overall. Baker throws for 300. um Wow! I mean, it was they were awesome. Rodney Anderson just continues to click, uh,
3: and I, again it's a storyline that's been played out quite a bit and that we've talked about quite a bit, but you're talking about four of arguably the most important positions in the game, uh, in, in the big 12, both corners, a safety support and your Mike linebacker are all true freshmen, all true freshmen. I mean, scary, mind blown, mind blown. Now again, they'll get confidence. They'll continue to get better. But, man, I, I'm not trying to disrespect anything with Kansas. But if you look ahead to Will Greer and West Virginia coming in, that's going to test them. And that's some NFL yeah. guys on the outside they have.
4: Yeah. They got uh, is it David Seals, mm-hmm. that one of the best wide receivers in the conference, which is another good converse, conversation when you start to look at all the pass catchers this conference has. But he's really good. West Virginia, you know, you look ahead. Let's just you know forecast the rest of the way for OU the way it could be. Yeah, Kansas and West Virginia we know. It looks like the most likely scenario is TCU again in a Big Twelve Championship if you're in it. And then you know the other big teams that are up at the top if you're able to get into a college football playoff. It's possible Will Greer is the best passing quarterback between here and the finish line uh, good point. that Oklahoma could face. Yep. You know, uh Alabama's got Jalen Hurts who is a an electric player, but He's not going to dice you up with his arm. Clemson's got the Kelly Bryant kid who's having a nice year. But again, if you can force him, I think he's kind of like uh, uh, TCU's quarterback. If you can force the game onto his arm, uh, you know, you got a good chance against him. Um, same thing with Miami. Same thing with Hornybrook at Wisconsin. There's not a bunch of elite passers in college football this year. And the ones that are, like, Darnold is out of it. Uh, Mason Rudolph is An elite passer, but they've got a couple of losses now. So that's good news, I think, for Oklahoma is my point. Because obviously they have struggled this year at times against teams that can really throw the football. And West Virginia can do that in two weeks. But when you look past that, maybe that's not a tremendous issue on down the line, even if they play some better all-around football teams. Um, Maybe.
3: Maybe. Maybe you're right, but that's a great point. I honestly kind of kind of blew my mind there because I hadn't really thought of it that way. And in Mason Rudolph and Will Greer, they've faced the two best – I will face in Greer, the two best quarterbacks I think they could face in the country of any of the teams there because USC is not getting up there. UCLA Wyoming passing, passing yeah. court. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, make that clarification. UCLA is not getting up there. I think Rosen's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> but that you're right. Good. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Well,
4: a lot of those other teams up in in the you know the top of the poll have leaned on their defense and their run game, and that's a winning formula. I'm not Absolutely. saying it isn't, but Alabama, Clemson's defense, Miami's defense, uh, Wisconsin defense and running game. So Oklahoma's the one-off in that scenario in that they've got an elite quarterback that likes to throw it around the yard. Um, But if secondary is your concern for Oklahoma, and I understand why it would be, then West Virginia's the game between here and the finish line. You circle and go you know, red alert. I I didn't get to listen to all of the Lincoln-Riley presser,
3: but you'll hear it coming up as soon as we're done my computer. Is it going to be
4: dry? Or is there going to be a, like a cool sound effect between this and
3: that? I don't know. I have to go I, as soon as we get done here I have to go use my wife's laptop. So maybe I might be able to download one cool sound effect. Okay. Well, that goes, I hope so. Right. And
4: go right into it. Um, well, well you just did it. Can you just put what you just did? I'll just put take what I did How and about put this? it between there. When we're done, we'll just do the and then you can play it and you don't need it. Um I thought he did a good job
3: of working what was not uh, by by no means worded questionably by any stretch of the imagination, but just where it was left when he brought up Jordan Thomas, and he said, "Yeah, you know, just a team decision not to have him on the sidelines." I was, I kind of froze for a moment. I was like, "Whoa!" Because naturally, instinctively, you uh, you think, "What What does that mean?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thankful that eventually got followed up on. I was surprised that someone had to get to their script so quick that they couldn't let it get followed up on right away because the explanation of it then later cleared everything up. If you didn't happen to catch the later part of the Jordan Thomas issue and why he wasn't on the sidelines and you just heard that first part, well, you automatically think, well, what's going on? Are there problems? But they just they had a bunch of scout team guys that were out there and dressed and, you know, probably just medically better to keep them back in the locker room or, or away from the sideline and anything that could
4: could cause any more problems it was yeah nothing to I it guess so it sounds like it's a medical issue yep. and they just didn't want him to uh, potentially get hurt again out there um it's going to be important for jordan and parnell to stay locked in here amen i mean they can't uh nobody likes to lose their position nobody likes to lose their starting job but they're going to be needed again and whether it's in a reserve role or in a nickel package, or a dime package, or potentially again as a starter. They're not going to play from here to the wire without Jordan Thomas and Parnell Motley being a part of things. And so it's, and I'm not saying that they have, but this can't be a time to pout or to, um, you know, uh, lose focus because Trey Brown and Trey Norwood are going to need all the help they can get. You're going to need those guys locked in. You're right, and there's going to be, and there's every reason to think that maybe the switch could be made back again at some point. So, it's, I think it's important those two guys stay, stay focused. Their
3: experience is necessary, uh, and maybe I should make that more specific. Jordan Thomas's experience mm-hmm. is necessary. What Parnell Motley has learned in the early parts of this season, in playing is necessary. So, I was glad there was a clarification. Social media has never been one to stay calm after something like that. Uh, so, that was. I, I guess for me, that was very reassuring because I'm with you 100%. They're going to need him this year. They're going to need Jordan Thomas to make a play this year. They're going to need Parnell Motley at some point. They're going to need Will Johnson. They're going to need everyone in that secondary. I mean, Chance Sylvie played a lot on Saturday night. They're going to need all these guys to make plays as it goes on. With that said, I know you're going to spend the afternoon, as we tape this, it's Monday after the press conference, with Teddy Lehman, so I'll be curious to get his response later in the week or his thoughts later in the week. But it really appeared... As if Norwood and Trey Brown played really well. And Lincoln Riley even brought it up today that, you know, Trey probably made a touchdown-saving tackle. Yeah. That that could have changed the whole momentum of the game. So, on the outside, it looks like they really performed well when given the opportunity.
4: I think so. You know, I've, I don't go back and watch the coaches' film uh, or the all-22s like they do. But it appeared, you know, they broke up several passes. Uh, they tackled well. Uh, it was a little sideways in the first quarter when uh, TCU scored quickly on that uh, I think two play 75 yard drive but um all in all I thought they they played great and it just looked like the whole defense had a, had a, had some pretty good momentum i'll tell you the push up front great was a big part of that Devontae lampkin had his best game as a sooner mm-hmm. they got Neville gallimore back those two and when you could add q overton into that trio but whichever two of those three or on the field together, that's a lot of beef. That's 650 pounds of man right there when those two are out there together. And Lampkin is becoming something. He's He is becoming something here. He, he's a force. He's He's got two more years of football ahead of him. Maybe. Right. He continues on this projection. Maybe not. Maybe one more. But <laughs> he's becoming a difference maker up front. And he had a good game. The defensive line had a good game. Um, after the first quarter, they were able to really stifle the TCU running game for the most part. Now, it helped that Darius Anderson got injured, and that could be a major inj- injury for TCU because it looks like he might be gone for the year for them. But uh, they played well.
3: It was uh, also interesting. One, one other thing that stood out to me from the press conference, and I even asked Baker this, and I I, I think – I kind of felt bad afterwards. I think Baker started to answer it and then realized what it sounded like he was saying and kind of reset. Because my big question, and I we asked Lincoln this afterwards, was there a point in that game where you're like, okay, there's a chance we could see this team again? And I, you're not going to surprise them. Everyone knows everything. But let's pull back a little bit. You know, let's not get too carried away. Not to say blow them out, but just not give them too terribly much. Keep something in the tank, maybe. Because... You got to keep in mind. You're probably going to see this team again in three weeks. Baker kind of started to answer it and then stopped. He goes, "But well, we're going to play somebody two times regardless. We still have to t- if if we take care of number one." And it appeared as if that was pretty much the tank from Leak and Riley too. We can talk about potential rematches with TCU, but if you don't beat Kansas this weekend, it, it's it's irrelevant because it's not going to happen.
4: I think it's in both coaches' minds in the second half the other I- night. I don't certainly, feel like a dummy then. <laughs> certainly in, in Lincoln's mind. Right. And that, you can't really come out and say that because you've got to play Kansas. You've got to play West Virginia. You've got to win those games. Or you look like an idiot. If you come out and admit, hey, second half I was thinking about a potential rematch with TCU in the Big 12 championship right. game and you lose to West Virginia, you just open yourself up to all kinds of criticism. But at the same time, while you can't say it, I think it is the proper thing to do to think it. and. This is going to be a thing for the Big 12 Conference going forward for the foreseeable future where there's going to be a rematch every year. Other conferences, some years there are, some years there aren't. In this conference, every year there's going to be a rematch. And these guys, if it's TCU, you're playing them again in three weeks. And you're up comfortably at halftime. Not that it's put away, but I think there's twofold thinking there. One is, let's run some clock. Let's possess the ball shorten the game, run some clock, and uh, you know limit possessions for them so that it makes it hard for them to have a comeback. They did that. Oklahoma was trailing on time of possession by a minute and a half at halftime. They won by eight and a half. So their advantage in time of possession in the second half was ten minutes. Wow. So they possessed the ball 20 of the 30 minutes in the second half. Uh, so that's part of it. Part of it is let's just keep it away from them. And the other part, and it's gotta be, is I don't wanna show him everything. I mean I I Amen, dude. You can't admit that. Right. <laughs> but if you're a good coach, you know, they hey, listen, he showed him a lot in the first half. Yeah. They showed that TCU defense a lot in the first half. But I don't think it hurts at all. Whether it is for TCU later or maybe it's for West Virginia or whatever, if you don't need it, let's yeah. keep let's keep it in the bag of tricks. So I think they went conservative. Without a doubt, they went conservative in the second half, and I think it's the right call. Their defense let them. I'm glad you brought up the push right. up front. Right. If it yeah. gets close, if TCU scores another score and makes it 38 27, then you have to punch the gas again, and you've got to start letting Baker throw it around again and stuff. But it, that, that didn't happen. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to.
3: I'm glad you brought up the push up front because on my show this morning, that was the thing that really stood out to me, and I went through the whole segment, and I didn't even mention, are we going with Marquez or Marquise Overton
4: this year? The pronunciation says Marquez, and Marquez, <laughs> on when he announces his name for our starting lineups, it says, says Marquez. Right, because, did you hear Stephen Parker? Stephen Parker <laughs> changed it to Marquise.
3: <laughs> and they were high school teammates, too. Q, let's go Q. Q, okay. Yeah. And I didn't even mention Q. He led the team in tackles mm-hmm. on Saturday night with six, and... I just, if it's a credit to Ruffin McNeil, let's give all the credit. But, man, if you get those guys going inside, and I don't know Matt Romar's, I don't know his injury, I don't know his future, I know this much. He's engaged. He's yeah. there. I meant to bring he's this up. He's a good team leader, I meant even to, in an injury. Absolutely. I meant to bring this up on Saturday night during a sideline report, and I don't know if the, the energy or the, the crowd noise or whatever, I completely forgot it. But he's, I mean, in every huddle. He is there helping out guys. He is engaged. So you know he wants to be back out there. With that said, I don't know what his future's like on the field, but I know this much. With that group of Q, Lampkin, and Neville Gallimore, with his first game back, it took him a while. You're right, Toby. They've got the potential to be a big-time difference maker. And if you can get that push from inside, that opens up everything for not only the guys on the outside, but it helps your corners too. Not trying to get all X no, and O no, E no, on you, know, you, you but got- yeah.
4: It helps your corners eat up the run game. Make somebody one-dimensional. Absolutely. OU has been good against the run this year, with the exception of K State and, and Oklahoma State. They've been uh, they've been a good run defense team, and you know you throw Amani Bledsoe and Dylan Famatau in there as well, oh. and uh, they, they're play, they're deep, they're deep, and they and they've played well. And I think it's going to be fun. Gallimore and Lampkin, especially, are guys that I think have. Big-time futures. Like, I I, think they're next-level type guys. Um, and maybe, maybe some of those other guys are too, but just body type-wise and strength and size and everything you look for in measurables, Lampkin and Gallimore have the chance to be next-level type guys. And you're starting to see Lampkin, who was a non-factor early in the year, become maybe the biggest factor on that defensive line. I I touched on this a little bit last week I think with you with Marquise Brown but if you look back at that Ohio State game at the number of guys now that are huge factors for this team who either didn't play or were non-factors in that Ohio State game it's astonishing and they won that game handily in Columbus but Marquise Brown didn't play Rodney Anderson had three carries for 10 yards Lampkin uh remember he played in that game. It was the only game of the non conference he played in, but he yep. didn't play very much yep. no nope. um you know all the freshmen in the defensive backfield now, certainly the two corners, Norwood and Brown weren't a part of that game at all, but it's you know your best running back and your best wide receiver didn't touch the field and barely touched the field against <laughs> It's
3: insane. the Buckeyes and they went on the road and smoked them and Now you hear these pundits, and this was prior to the Iowa game. They say, "Oh, neutral field now. Ohio State would win." Okay, well, two of the guys who have been the best players the last few weeks were non-contributors. They in that still game. might get another
4: shot. Still, right, exactly. Yeah, you
3: can't kill Ohio State. Ohio State and USC just won't. I mean, if if there is ever a team where nationally, the pundits have amnesia over their losses, it's Ohio <laughs> State and I USC. Agree with that. It's it's almost as if they never happened. They gave up fifty in a loss to Iowa, uh-huh. but they come back and beat a meh. Michigan, meh, Michigan State team, and you watch, they'll probably be five tomorrow night <laughs> or tonight, whenever the rankings come out. I love this stat, and I was just thinking about this, too, before we started, and, and we'll wrap up on this because I know you got radio to do, and you need to fit in an app at some point, oh, right? Oh, man, yeah. Is that happening? Uh, no, it's not. OU was third in the Big 12 in rushing with P. Ryan and Mixon. In case you haven't checked, Samajé, I guess now, is going to be the main ball carrier for the Redskins. Okay. And Joe Mixon scored a touchdown and is the guy for the Cincinnati Bengals. Both in the NFL is my point. They move on. Oklahoma's number one in the Big 12 in rushing now. How is that possible? Is, is, that's a credit to Bill Beanbo in this line too, isn't it? And, and Rodney. Listen, oh, I don't man. want to take anything away from Rodney Anderson. But even even Coach Riley. Well, I'm sorry. Baker brought it up. With how well Bobby Evans is playing. Teddy talks about it every single week with the way Bobby Evans is playing. Man, this line, this line is something else.
4: Yeah. The offensive line's having a great year. I don't know. You know, you look at Baker's stats, and hes I think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, and he's breaking all kinds of records on the way. He's only thrown 40 passes once this year. <laughs> I didn't know that. Not completed. Thrown 40 passes. Who was that
3: against? Was that against uh,
4: Texas? No. He threw 41, I think, against Kansas State. You are correct. Um, Last Saturday, he threw 27. <laughs> and that's... That's kind of the normal range, 20 right. to 30 for him. And he's putting up these monster numbers with that. I think, though, while while a tremendous amount of credit goes to the offensive line, you also have to credit a lot of that to b- the Baker effect. Um, okay. He's so good, and defenses come into a game, I think, kind of on their heels a little bit. How are we going to keep this guy from throwing all over us? That it allows the run game a little more freedom. That sounds like I'm taking something away from Rodney Anderson and Trey Sermon and Abdul Adams. I'm not at all. Those guys have been great. But that—that that is what makes this offense so dynamic because TCU decided the opposite Saturday night. You're not running on us. We're the number one rushing defense in the country. You're not running on us. So what did Lincoln Riley do? He came out throwing it all over the place. Baker probably threw the ball 14 or 15 out of the first 20 plays the other night and had success and moved the ball, and TC was like, well, we got to do something about this. We better back out of the box a little bit, and then they start gashing them with the run game as well. They can do whatever they want. They can run it on you. They can throw it on you. They can use the tight end. They can use the fullback. We can use Marquise tonight. Let's make it CD tonight. <laughs> we could use uh, Rodney Anderson, maybe Trey Sermon. You know what we haven't seen in a long time? Marcelli is Sutton. Yep. He might be the star of the case of the Kansas game this Saturday. Who knows? I mean, you know, they just have so many weapons and a quarterback who knows how to use them all, and maybe the best offensive line in the country. It is a it is as multiple and dynamic of an offense, I think, as we've seen in college football in a long time, which begs the question who can stop him? Yeah. I mean, I don't think there is anybody that can stop him. What's the best you could hope to do against the Oklahoma offense this year? You know, they're going to put 30 on you. You know that. I think they score 30 on Alabama. I think they score 30 on Clemson, whatever. Um, it's, been, it's been a blast to follow them. Just got
3: key here going into this weekend. Again, no disrespect to Kansas. Stay healthy. And then let's get ratty again. Get in better. Two weeks. I mean, and I, get I, better. It, yes. Thank yeah, you.
4: I, listen, if you're going to win a. Beat West Virginia, win a Big Twelve Championship, keep climbing that ladder, go to the Final Four, win a national championship. You can't have a week where you regress. Absolutely. You can't have a week and you say, you know what, we could still win and not play our best and not lock in and practice, not be on edge. You can't do it. You can't take a step back this time of year. And so they gotta go they gotta go get better this Saturday. All right. Thanks, Toby.
3: That's uh twenty five minutes of nonstop Sooner Talk. Should we just segue right into Lincoln?
5: Ladies right.
4: and gentlemen, Lincoln Riley.
5: Welcome everybody again here. Uh, yeah, coming off a, a, obviously a really, really important win for us against TCU. Uh, again, just very proud of just just the the overall effort, uh, the team, the fan base, the atmosphere. It was just a it was just a great night for OU football, uh, plain and simple. And uh, so uh, proud of our team and the and the way that we're continuing to progress. Uh, like a lot of those wins that are that are, you know, big emotional wins over good football teams, you you go back and you look at it and there's still a lot of things we gotta do better, you know, especially offensively, you know, did not did not play very well the second half. Um and, and we you know, we did slow some things down, um limited possessions, all of that, but <clears throat> that's still no excuse for, for, for playing the way that we did in the second half. So we've we got a lot of things we gotta do better on that side of the ball. Um very proud of the, our defense, the way we stepped up, um, played more 11-man football, uh, but still missed some tackles, still had a few busted assignments that so we've got to do better. Um, and I think that'll really be our mindset going forward You know, into this week is that we've you know, you can't have that sense that you've arrived. You're never doing this game. And if you start feeling like that, that's when you're in trouble. And uh, so we, we got so many things that we've got to, you know, that we've got to do better. We, we've got a, a lot of room for growth still as a football team. I think we took some positive steps in the last few weeks. Uh, and and we've got to continue that. You know, there's still a lot of football left to be played, a lot left to be decided. And uh, that'll start this week, uh, preparing to go up to uh, Lawrence and play Kansas uh, you know, going against one of my best friends in the coaching business and, and David Beatty, uh, just a, a great human being, a guy that I have a ton of respect for as a coach, known him for a long time, and uh, really, really great friend. Uh, you know, as far as their football team, the, the players that really stand out, and, and we knew this coming into the year, and it's been no difference. I mean, you, the, the defensive linemen, you um, you know, Armstrong is, you know, was the preseason player of the year and is, you know, still very, very disruptive. Ha- hasn't had as many sacks as you may have guessed, but he when you go back and watch the film, he's still disrupting the game a lot. You know, and certainly one of the more talented players that we'll see. And then I think the guy that's really stepped up, and he's been a good player for him for years, but the, the wise kid, uh, the, the defensive tackle, he, he, he'll be the best defensive tackle that we've seen all year. And that that's counting – That's counting Ohio State. That's counting anybody. I mean, he has had a tremendous year for them. He is very, very disruptive. You know, when you've got that kind of dominant guy on the inside, it it, it really affects what you're doing offensively. So we're going to have to do a great job against those two. You know, offensively they've they've been back and forth a little bit. Um, They've had some really strong games rushing the ball. You know, had a lot of success against West Virginia. I think they've settled in here on a quarterback now, and kids throwing the ball well for them. Um, They've had some big yardage games, Um, and it looks like to me, and I'm not sitting there, but they're, you know, they they've had some stretches where they've played really well on both sides of the ball, and it looks like they're just trying to piece it together. And uh, so, uh, but you know, we understand the challenge that we're going to have, you know, playing on their senior night. Um, and, you know, so it's, you know, it's going to be another challenge. It is every single week in the Big 12. And, again, our challenge and our focus is going to be to improve on the things we got to improve on and continue the momentum that our team has right now.
6: Lincoln, Rodney Anderson was just named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. You've told us all year that he's a really good <coughs> player and that he'll eventually get it, but... His emergence has been another tremendous asset for your offensive football team, hasn't it? His ability to be a two-way player.
5: It's been important, it is. Uh, he's, He's—he's again, kind of like a lot of our guys, he's hung in there even when things didn't go his way. And, and he's made a lot of plays for us. He's got a lot of momentum, you know, just himself right now in the last few weeks. Uh, gaining confidence, just, you know, continues to make big play after big play. Obviously, it was a big, you know, big factor for us in the receiving game the other night as well, which was very important. So. Yeah, he's playing well. He's doing a lot of things well, um, and those other backs are too. It's just kind of worked out that it's been running opportunities, but we've we've still got a nice stable there. That you know, I know I keep saying it up here every week, but we're we have needed those guys this year, and we'll continue to need all those guys.
1: I think when the, the college football nation <coughs> is putting you guys in the playoff, you know ESPN, all the shows and everything, and when I mean you've you've got the inside track now to the championship game and when Baker Mayfield is the runaway favorite for the Heisman, how do you keep the guys focused? How do you keep them thinking about Kansas and, and you know, the game after
5: that? Well, it's it, it's it's twofold. It's, you know, when everybody, you know, is around the country or on the anybody on the outside of our walls are doubting you, we say don't listen to the noise, you know, and it's the same way right now. You know, now, you know, we've been through this on kind of both sides this season, and uh, I think – I feel like we're a little bit more equipped to handle because it, It's almost like we've been through this cycle a little bit already this year. You know, after we beat Ohio State and had a good run to start the season, we had to deal with it. And so I think as a team, we know ourselves a little bit better. We know maybe how we handled some of the early success, some of the, how we handled it well and things that we need to do better and I think we'll be you know, more equipped as a team to do it better and understand that that nothing's decided right now. Everybody in the world thinks this or that's decided or ain't any of that stuff decided. And uh, you got to go out and prove it on the field and you got to do it each and every week.
1: Bob used to say that we're always in a hurry to get to the end of the season. Is that part of the, the <laughs> joy for you is just getting these guys to enjoy each game and each experience?
5: Yeah, absolutely. and 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 he's right about that. We are. Everybody wants to make this conclusion or that conclusion. I mean, that starts before... You know, we got all people wanting to crown national champions before the season ever starts. I mean, that's you never know, and that's the beauty of this game. And yeah, absolutely, you've got to enjoy it and appreciate it every single week. Lincoln,
7: I asked because people saw him outside before the game, but we didn't see Jordan Thomas with the team. So, what's his status?
5: No, he's he, he's he's with us. You know, he was injured and out for this game, and uh, and we made a uh, we had there was a team decision that uh, that he wasn't going to be on the sideline this game.
1: How good was it to see the defense control things in the second
5: half? It was great. You know, it was great. You know, it was they, they led our team. They were the spark plug for our team the whole night. Uh allowed us to, you know, be a little bit more conservative offensively and yeah, you know, just it was a, a big night, you know, then to do it against a quality opponent and a quality offense like TCU has was really important. How
6: did the freshman corners play.
5: They played good. They played good. They you know, even the ones that they that they gave up were very competitive, and there wasn't many that they gave up. Uh, but they they make competitive plays on the ball, and and they really probably the thing I was most proud of is they as they tackle well. You know they had both had some big open field tackles. You know Trey Brown makes the tackle um, when they break one on the uh, on the series where they ended up missing the field goal. You know that if he doesn't make that tackle, they probably score on that play, and you know the you know the momentum of the game is a little bit different. Those those are uh,
2: cornerbacks, obviously, the challenge is physical, I know, but mentally, I mean, it's sort of, I I think I referenced you know, hitters in baseball to Steven earlier, you can fail a ton and still be really good in the Big 12 as much as teams throw. Do you have to sort of talk to those guys about the fact that, you know, it's going to be tough and you mentally sort of have to process all of that?
5: Yeah, and I think you definitely do at that position, there's no question, because that position maybe more than any on the field is a lot of times out there on such an island you know and it's it's where everybody can see you know if it, sometimes if a defensive lineman or offensive lineman gets beat it's you know kind of in the massive bodies in there and it's not as apparent not as obvious where that one is and so you've got to be confident in yourself you've got to you got to be able to play the next play which a lot of times does take you know some maturity and and having to go through it some but uh, these two guys are unique they've they, they've got a they both got a fighter's mentality and they've got a their competitiveness you know where they are mentally is a little further ahead than where you would expect to, you know guys their age. Like, you at
2: all thinking about working them in more before uh, the injuries and the struggles of, of your two starters. Yeah. Okay.
5: Yeah. No. We it, there's been conversations about it, and and we were close to doing it some, and obviously we did uh, some in the uh, Oklahoma State game even before Jordan, uh, you know, got hurt. So, uh, yeah. No. It's been kind of close the whole year, you know, and and uh, but you know this was the right time to do it.
6: Lincoln, that was your best defensive performance probably since all, all together since Ohio State. Your defensive front seems to be coming together
5: pretty well. Yeah, they're 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 playing good. They are. They're you know we've especially the second half of the season we've done a much better job of consistently getting pressure on the quarterback. You know I think that's been a big part of it. Uh, you know and I think guys like like Q Overton, uh, Lampkin, Dillon, You know those guys have really they've just really improved. They've just gotten better. Monty Bledsoe getting him back and getting him going. You know it's good to have Neville Gallimore back the other night. So we've. You know, we've been able to build a nice little rotation. Those guys have gotten some experience, and they're they're playing pretty well for us. Lincoln, it's
1: been a weird year, and that really since Big 12 play started, there hadn't there hadn't been a blowout game, you know, either way. Does that kind of hurt developing depth with with some of your guys getting them on the field on Saturdays?
5: Well. Uh, maybe a little, you know, it's defensively it hasn't because we just don't have much depth, period. Um, so most of the guys we have have been playing uh, for the most part. We've got a little bit more on the front. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit, you know, I, I don't know. We've we've been able to play. We had some several games early where a lot of guys have been able to play. Uh, the way we practice, I think, helps, too. But, yeah, can you ever substitute game reps for those guys? No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anytime you get a chance to do it and get those guys in, you know, we're going to try to get it done.
1: Lincoln, a little uh, clarification on Jordan Thomas. You said team decision not to be on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Is that like for medical purposes? or Medical
5: purposes, yes.
1: Just did near getting into. Yeah, sometimes those guys
5: in. are a little limited where they can, they can move around. And our sideline, especially we, we ended up, we made the decision to dress a bunch of guys for the sideline. We thought our scout team had a really strong week of preparation. So that's one of the different ways that we reward those guys when they're doing well. And you get a million people down there and it just, I, we we talked about it a little bit and we said uh ah, I don't want him getting rolled up down there.
2: What's his status for this week's game? Uh
5: he's he's questionable. He's he's got a chance. Um he's he's working hard, rehabbing hard and uh, so if he's ready to go, we'll go with him and if not we'll we'll go with what we have.
2: Are there you any other TCU updates? Runs. Any what? other injury updates? Not really. I think
5: we came out of the TCU game pretty healthy. Uh I don't anticipate that we'll have Khalil Hotten back this week. Uh I think I would count on having just about everybody else that we had for TCU. Um,
1: TCU runs 61 plays the other night. You guys run 68, I think it was, offensive plays. Is this tempo thing where people were getting up in the 90s and 100s regularly, is this starting to self-correct a little bit where head coaches are realizing the defenses are put at risk um, the more possessions that they get so everybody slows it down a little bit?
5: Uh, I think in some certain instances, I don't know that you can just give a – you know, kind of a blanket answer for that. I I think it depends on your team and what you think gives your team the best chance to win. Uh, And I think you got to be ready to do both. You know, I think that's the key to me is you can't, not every week is that going to be the best thing for us. And some weeks we're going to need to be able to play slow and run it. Some some games we're going to need to be able to play fast and, and, and do what we do there. So I think the key is being able, you know, guys mentally being able to do both and then you know being able to execute both when the time comes.
1: I think your comment was earlier in the season you um said when you were at East Carolina you weren't really cognizant of what the defensive coordinators needs were because you wanted to go as fast and call as many plays as possible. That's changed now hasn't it with uh with you being a head coach and and having the defensive coordinators here so to speak? Yeah I
5: think it's fair to say I've, I've I'm more aware of it. I got more aware of it the later years at East Carolina, for sure. The first few years, like I said, you're when you first become an OC, or just or I was. I can't say for everybody, but yeah, I mean, my only mindset was I got to we got to score points, you know. And so, but no, I think I got more aware of it. We were able to run the ball better those last few years, you know. Um, and and again, some of it comes down to personnel too, and what you think you can do. You know, at East Carolina, we weren't going to sit there against, you know, Virginia Tech and. Sit there and run it the whole second half if if we were going to go backwards if we did. And uh, so, you know, part of it's being able to do it, and part of it is certainly, you know, I think growing and learning more, you know, more ways to win football games. When you said earlier
2: your brother is one of your best friends in coaching, I thought you were going to say your brother.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't give him that much of a compliment.
2: (laughs) But I mean, we've heard over the years, I mean, Bob used to say how much he hated going against yeah. Mark when Mark was, you know, elsewhere. Yeah. Um, the Gundy's have talked about almost kind of forgetting about the other one during games. How was it the last two years, and do you think it'll change at all now that you're in the head coaching position? Uh, how that, how you view that uh, that
5: game? Yeah, almost kind of just try to put it out of my mind a little bit. I, you know, I, I want them, I want them to win every single game, other than this one, of course, and uh, root for them a lot, and uh, but. Yeah, I don't think about it much during the week, honestly. You know, I'm sure I'll see them their pregame and you know say hi to them there. But yeah, I'd certainly rather not. You know, if I had the choice, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly rather not go against them. But that's 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 part of it.
1: You, you talk about baby such good friendship. Where'd that stem from? How that build? Uh You know, he was a
5: high school coach in the Metroplex, um, and then when he first uh, when he first got in, I think maybe when he was at either Rice or Kansas uh, the first time. Uh, we were both recruiting that area, and he—I was a young coach, just kind of getting going in recruiting, and he—he kind of—we we met each other. I remember we met at Plano East High School, if I remember right, and uh, and kind of we just hit it off, you know, and then kind of always stayed in touch after that. And he was just—he's—he's he's got a dynamic personality. He's a fun guy to be around, and we've we've just remained close throughout the years. He mentioned
6: today during the conference call that when he was looking to fill that spot, he came to you, approached mm-hmm. you and said, who would be good? And he said you were a little reluctant to mention Garrett. Can you remember that conversation? Yeah. Yeah.
5: I remember he was, uh, I was up in my, up in my uh, man cave at my house. And I remember he called me. I remember when it was, it was right towards the end of the year, but he called me and asked me if I had anybody in mind, kind of told me what position I was looking for. And I gave him a couple names and I, I you know, I don't, I know how it is. You call anybody and they got a brother, they're going to recommend them. You know? and, uh, but I, I felt confident enough in you know, the quality of coach that my brother is that I said, hey, yeah, he's my brother, But and you know me well enough that I wouldn't recommend him if I didn't think he's somebody you ought to at least talk to. And uh, and then I let them take it from there. You know, I didn't want to be in the middle of it, and that obviously was something that they were both comfortable with.
7: Because of your connection, being so obvious to their staff, but is it difficult to see them sort of get knocked around like they
5: have? Uh, yeah, for yeah, for obvious reasons that you've got you've got you know friends and family over there, but you know that's you know you 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 go in this this game long enough, you're going to have some years like that. So, like I said, I root for them every single game except this one. How do your mom and dad handle it? Um. I don't know. You know, I'd, I'd, we don't talk about it much, honestly. Yeah, it's kind of like the the elephant in the room. So yeah, we don't we don't talk about it much. So if I'm them, I look at it that one of their sons is going to win. So uh, but you know, I'm, I know it, this is probably the toughest one on them.
6: Like think Austin's kick was would have been good from 60. Mm-hmm. In practice, is he? You know, I know at one time he made a 60-yarder. He's kicking so well yeah. Has he tried an extra long one in practice? Yeah, no,
5: he's capable of. I mean, depending on weather conditions, he's. I mean, he's capable of making it from about as far out as anybody can. So he's got a big leg. I mean, we see it on kickoffs every single week. So he's been I'm just really proud of him. That, that whole group, Austin, you know, Wesley Horky, Connor McGinnis, those guys have been great all year for us. And, uh, you know, what Austin in particular has done here the second half of the season, I mean, I know I said it the other night, but you sit back and think about what that kid's doing right now. I mean, that, that kid should be an All-American with what he's doing right now.
2: How important is the chemistry between Austin and Wesley Horky and Connor
5: McGinnis? Oh, if I mean, it's like hitting a golf ball. I mean, if one thing is off that much, the whole thing goes wrong. So you got to have a a lot of trust. All three of them got to be really, really good at what they do, and they've got to all be completely in sync and on the same page. It's it's I mean, it's the margin of error is so fine, and uh, they've they, those guys done a great job. You know, it's just any time we put them out there, regardless of the situation, I know I have a ton of confidence that they're going to get it done. It
2: seems like they're having more fun late in the season. I mean, voting for each other for Snapper of the week or holder of the week, that kind of thing. I mean, what are they like all three of the year? No, that's a pretty
5: fun-loving group right there. They, you know, Horky and Cybert are two of the funniest guys that we have on the team. So they can, they, 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 they enjoy life. They have a good time. They, uh, it's a good group
0: a big win, Notre Dame and Georgia just lost. Your thoughts on where you guys stand in the big picture
5: of things? I really don't have any. You know, we're trying to beat Kansas. You know, like I said, I I just keep going back to I have confidence in this league, the strength of this league, how good it's been all year that, that you know, if you take care of business in this league that all that other stuff will work itself out.
7: Lincoln, last Thursday, Blake Griffin comes in to move to jump man the Jordan Brand. What was that moment like and how do you think that's going to help with recruiting moving
5: forward? The moment was was awesome. It was uh, yeah for Blake to take the time to come over and do that with with us and and uh, uh, coach and, and coach uh, Kruger, coach Cole, their groups was was awesome. Our guys were were floored. They didn't have a clue, you know. So it was a uh, it was a neat moment. There was a lot of energy. Uh, our our team's excited about it, you know. Told all the seniors, I'll get a little care package and send it to you. <laughs> um, they might not have been as excited as the uh, as all the underclassmen, but uh no it was. It was a good moment and the response in recruiting's been great. I mean, the, it's the best it's the brand that players want to be in. I mean it just it is. It's 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 the best thing out there. And and part of it is they're you know, the Jordan brand is so select, you know, it's it's not like any team can just go and sign with them. Teams are hand picked. You know, their athletes that they that they endorse are hand picked and it's such a Small select group that, and the quality, uh, the name behind it, all that is so good. Um, it's just going to be. There's a lot of things that separate Oklahoma, and this you can add this to the list. Do you cool
4: understand the? the do
2: you understand the passion that players have for the brand stuff, or mm-hmm. is that a little out of like? Is it I, 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 a sneaker snob? Are you one of the? Yeah, players? no. I mean, I
5: I feel like I understand it. No, I mean, I'm not. You know, I don't have 50 pairs of Jordans at home, but yeah. I do. But I do. I get it. I mean, I, I do. I, I it, when it was first brought to my attention, um, you know that this was a possibility. I mean, I you know I was I couldn't have been more behind it.
1: Lincoln, it's cool that you said that players didn't know Blake was coming, and he shows up and they they all get excited. How important is that, or how um, uh, helpful is that when? guys who played here, whether it's football, basketball, as big a player, big a name as he is, return because they want to return?
5: It's, it's, it's tremendous. It's, I've always believed that was one of the most impressive things that I learned about Oklahoma when I first got here. I was shocked how many guys came back, you know, off season. you know, I mean, anytime it seems like one of our NFL guys has an off week, he's down here on the sidelines or he's where we're playing, you know, on the sidelines, I mean, every single week. Um, so it's a, it's a brotherhood here and, and not, not even just a brotherhood, but just the whole athletics community, you know, Joe and his staff have created such an environment around the entire athletics department where you don't just feel like you're just the football team or just the basketball team. It's, you know, the athletes really kind of feel as one and they, and they I think have a sense of responsibility to come back and help those just like, like just like you know they were helped by previous players that have done that, so it's just a it's a neat culture it's unique, it's certainly different than anyone I've ever been in I'm
1: guessing it's helpful in recruiting as well
5: oh absolutely, you know, and some of these some of the rules have changed now where we can you know we can use these people more in recruiting in some specific ways, and so uh yeah it's 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 great and and more than just the individual you know. Kind of the star moment of getting to meet a Blake Griffin or Adrian Peterson or you know whoever it is I think it's again just kind of being able to show these recruits and their families this is the culture here these people do come back they don't have to come back a lot of them don't live here but they they want to be here because this place meant that much to them.
7: Lincoln you, you got here when you know the new facilities were getting ready to come in from the time you got here to now the Jordan brand stuff just how much has that done for the perception of the program with with younger people specifically? I think it's
5: done a lot. You know there's always been a great history here, and I think what we've tried to do is fight the balance between not fight find the balance between honoring the past and all that's been done here in the incredible history of Oklahoma football athletics, this university, but also pushing towards the future, and being new, and being current, and continuing to, to push the issue so that we can continue to get better. And uh, all of those things that you named have been big steps in that.
7: Lincoln, you talked about recruiting. Looking back at this, the 2017 class, they've had a pretty big impact yep. pretty quickly. Can yep. you remember a class that you've been around that has had as big of an impact the first season?
5: No. No. Uh, I, I haven't. Not my time. And yeah, just we knew it was a talented class, but the the mindset of those guys coming in, how quickly they they gelled with our players uh, that, that were already on the team, the individual talent. I mean, it's you know guys being ready to play on the big stage. You know, like we've been on most of the year. It's been. I mean, they've been critical to our success.
3: Is the middle part of the game for the guys you recruit a part of the recruiting, not just the talent? but do you look for certain things that say, hey, this is the kind of guy that has the mindset and he might be ready right Sure, now.
5: sure, and it's the toughest thing to evaluate. You know, just they limit us so much on how much we can go see these guys and evaluate them and be around them, and it's it's certainly the toughest part to evaluate, but it's probably the most important thing, too. So, no, we do, and I tell you, we, we, we've gotten now where we rely a lot on, you know, the guys that are committed in our class or even our current players when they spend some time with them when they come up for a visit on... You know, do you think this guy's going to fit in well with us? Do you think he has a mindset that's that's like what we want here? Guys that understand that, that are around them, and can be around them a little bit more than we can. So, uh, yeah, that the the mind, as we've seen, I mean, that's there's there's nothing more powerful than that. And you got to have guys that are they're that really strong mentally and can handle it.
7: Lincoln, you do you do bring in guys around here and play them early, but you're trying something a little different, maybe in the past, and having Jonathan Alvarez and Austin Kendall redshirt, you know, after they've already played. How has that been going for you this year, and is that is that
5: something you want to keep doing? Uh, if the situation presents itself, yes. Um, it's it's been positive. Uh, it's been been really good for Austin. Uh, it's been great for our defense because he's done. He's been one of our best scout team players. He's led that scout team all year and really done a good job. You know, and he gets to go against a, you know a, a you know a, a, starting you know. Big 12 defense every single day The speed of it, the leadership aspect You know, getting those other guys rallied up To give a great look or to compete against them So it's been good for him Uh, And Alvarez, I would say the same thing You know, it's been, Alvarez, we haven't Used him as much on scout team You know, he's stayed more with us offensively But, you know, being able to still get the reps And improve as a player And and save the year of eligibility You know, you can't always do it But we've had some depth at those two positions That have allowed us to do it
6: Lincoln, what's, what's your brother like? I think with the brothers'
4: matchups, Mike and Cale, maybe Bob and Mike, they can always kind of differentiate one from the other on personalities. Where do you guys fit in? Did you grow up kind of like two bees in a pod, or you pretty different?
5: Um, In some ways, we're a lot alike. I think we're both, I think personality-wise, we're actually quite a bit alike. Um, he's he's probably a little bit more reserved than I am, maybe it would be fair to say. Um, but I don't know that we're as different like that as maybe as much as like Bob in my car. Um I don't know. it'd be you know, that's that's a little bit difficult to ask when you're in the middle of it. You could ask my mom, she'd probably give you a better answer than that. Um Yeah, I I think in a lot of ways we're similar. There's some personality differences, uh, for sure, but I'd say we're a lot more similar than we are different.
2: Well, we're just go talk to her. Yeah, she she would probably have
5: a better answer too. Yeah. <laughs>
6: Yes, uh, what we heard early was that he needed to work on his hand. He made one of the best catches ever the other day. Uh, he just improved that much. I mean, by his own admission, he was talking about, especially in recruiting, and one thing, i, I got to get better with my hands. That's. You know, has he come that far? You talking
5: about uh, Brown, Marquise Brown. Yeah, he's, he's always caught the ball pretty well. I think part of it was just getting comfortable, you know, again, with kind of the speed of the game, the way we want routes run. getting used to our quarterbacks you know it's just you know you you play to junior college and then you you know you come here and play with these guys and the speed of it it's just a little bit different and uh so I think it was just some adjustments for him as far as just getting comfortable because the kid catches the ball well you could see that from the beginning um but it's hard to do things at a high level when you're not quite settled in yet so he's more settled in and uh yeah the the catch he made the other night was awesome I did even as fast as he was on on the field, I didn't think he was going to get there.
6: You talked about injuries earlier today. Any thought on Matt Romar returning this season?
5: Uh, we'll see. It's just been it's been kind of a nagging deal that that you know we've had some some weeks where we thought he's about ready to go, and then you know it's crept back up, or we've had a had a setback you know that slowed us back down. So it's something that we we got to be patient with, and uh, I still think there's a chance, um, but. Is it something that we're counting on right now? I would say no. And I
6: wanted to ask you about Devontae Lampkin, just his progress as the season has gone on.
5: He's progressed a lot. You now I've like said he and he and Ruffin have really you know hit it off. That's been I think a, a positive relationship uh, for both those guys. His his deal is just totally fit along with him growing and maturing just as a person, and as he has grown and matured. Uh, as he's eliminated some of the distractions off the field, his play has kind of mirrored that. So if he can continue to grow up and, and continue to mature, then, I mean, his ceiling is so high and he can, he can, there's flashes of, of dominance with him. So it's, it's going to be fun to see him progress. Did you just
7: give up on your practice
5: field? What's that? Did you just give up
7: on the practice field?
5: Oh, Not exactly. Not exactly. We'll get out there sometime.
7: Do you just like the routine that you're in now? Or- yeah,
5: yeah, we're, it's, you know, we've, we've had a pretty good run over there, so it's hard, hard to leave it, and so we'll, we'll get over there at some point. I, I didn't want to rush it and change a lot of things right now, but we'll get there at some point, maybe bowl practice. Lincoln, has
7: there been a season where you've had to beat a team twice in your past? That's
5: a good question. No. How
7: would you anticipate that
5: going if that were to happen? Oh, I don't know. We're we're gonna we're gonna beat Kansas this week. We're gonna to try to beat them. You know, that's we'll cross it when we get there, you know. I've really not put much thought into it. I you know, we're just we're just trying to get to that point right now. And when we get there we'll we'll address it and, and be ready to go. Let
7: me ask you this then when when the idea settled in if there would be a big twelve championship and you wouldn't have divisions. It would be a rematch for for, for whoever right. got there. Did anything cross your mind to add as to maybe this isn't? This is, this is you're asking a lot of someone to, to win twice, especially in a league that's competitive.
5: Not really. I mean, like I said on the conference call, you know, I mean, it's it, you could go draw up, and I and they sent us all the the data before they made the decision to do the you know to add the championship game back in. I mean, you can draw up scenarios where it would be really positive for the league, and, and scenarios where it wouldn't. I mean. Just for the playoff scenario, it probably would have been positive for us last year to have had a championship game because we, you know, we were right there on the bubble. We were playing probably as well as anybody at the country at the end of the year. If we had a couple losses early, it would have given us a chance to have one more big quality win, and maybe it's enough. Um, so, you know, the year before it wouldn't have helped. You know, so I mean, it's you can go back and forth on is it good, is it bad? You know. Uh, I do love us having the presence there at the end, uh, and I do love the fact that it's the best two teams in the league. And you've got to – the years that it doesn't make sense for the conference, you've got to live with it because there's going to be some years where it absolutely does make sense.